Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 58, the show where we realize that absolutely no one can resist the allure of enhance. I mean, it's great. Is it, though? Because I feel like it's bullshit, <laughs> especially when it's in 1999. Well, it is one of the uh, handful of jokes in Tales from the Borderlands that I demand anyone playing it in front of me choose. <laughs> There are a couple. Mostly I let people choose whatever jokes they want in their responses to, to, you know, the dialogue options or whatever. But enhance is one of them where I'm like, you have to keep the enhance joke going the entire time. And then the one where it's uh, uh, break his heart is another one where I'm like, that one, blow his mind is also good, but break his heart is amazing. Choose that one. Enhance in Tales from the Borderlands is that one gets a pass because it's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> That's them going, enhance? yeah, this is some bullshit. Enhance? Computer, enhance? What's great is if you keep it, if you keep using enhance every option you get, you'll eventually get the part where you're trying to zoom out of the small door on the back of a giant robot and you don't want to die in the doorway and you panically go, enhance? <laughs> it's like you're not looking at a screen anymore. I know, but it's the only thing I've said that's given me comfort today, so I'm saying it again. Yeah, I mean, hey, whatever. No, I was gonna say whatever floats your boat, but no, fuck you. This one's this one's it, it doesn't even work today. Like they make fun of it in uh, an episode of Futurama where Zap Brannigan tries to enhance, and his uh, Kip Kip his uh, assistant, his beleaguered assistant, is like, dude, that uh -huh. doesn't work. And he's like, really? But they're always doing it in CSI. I mean, it's like, yeah, and it was horseshit today. I just love that people still. I just love <laughs> that it has never been a thing, really, and yet people are just insistent. There's a there's a plot line in Battlestar Galactica which is literally solved using some questionable uh, photoshopping, deep faking type stuff, but it kind of revolves around a lot of enhance. And I'm kind of like, guys, guys, guys. The, the from the second from the second you introduce the storyline, you're already enhancing and therefore rendering all of this moot. But. <laughs> Here, at least, I will I will have to admit, they literally only do it for, like, a scene. It's, like, half of a moment in a scene. I just laugh at it because not only, you know, enhance, but, like I was telling you earlier, it's just so unnecessary considering how all they do is zoom in, like, a tiny little bit. And mm -hmm. they could have just done a zoom rather than, like, the weird pixelated, like, enhance kind of thing. And again, it doesn't really even improve anything because it just shows from a slightly different angle the exact same aliens that were clearly visible in the first shot. Yeah. So it was literally just because they had they wanted to. And while I will not begrudge people that for the most part, because honestly, I'm I'm, I'm that same person. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I want to do it. I'm going to do it. Doesn't mean people don't laugh at me for it. Fair. So as I might have mentioned earlier, I think I did. We are uh, having the lovely time of re-recording. Thanks to thanks to me again. At least I figured <laughs> out what's causing the issue. It turns out it's literally just luck of the draw. If I happen to plug it in on the left the microphone in on the left versus the right. Apparently, I'm just fucking everything up. But now I know. <laughs> Listen, uh, if we have to record but we discover something, fine. <laughs> fine. Fine. Honestly, I actually did. Uh, I was When I was re-watching it and then re-watching it again today because we keep messing up our recording times, mm -hmm. I was laughing at myself a little bit because I actually noticed like four or five new details that I just had been not... And I don't know how they got past me. It's not like I don't love this episode. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, this is all just a long-winded way of saying this episode's really good because it has that many layers. You have to watch it a million times to catch everything. Well, from, uh, I think it says a lot of good things about, uh, Heather Ash. 
that this is only her second episode, and we can already say things like this about her. So, my name's not Heather Ash, my name is Mel. Well, it's not Mel, but yeah. It's what I got. <laughs> the name I have chosen, my nom de plume. <laughs> yes. And uh, I'm also not Heather Ash, but uh, my name's Liz. <laughs> one of these days, one of us will be Heather Ash. Is it because one of us will have killed Heather Ash? <laughs> <laughs> And, and taken her power on you know, via the quickening. I will absorb your power to make myself <laughs> even stronger. I'm even a more powerful writer. Yeah, Maybe. there we go. I mean, stay tuned. I, I feel like this is just a terrifying thing for a Heather Ash to ever listen to. <laughs> it's adorable that you think she'd ever listen. Hey, I can have dreams. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, uh, today we are covering season three. Episode 14, Foothold. Mm, part two, because this is the second time we're doing this. <laughs> hey, we try. We try hard. I don't know. We'll see how funny we are. I don't know, man. Maybe we'll be even funnier because we just don't give a fuck. I mean, there's one time we had to re-record for Pokemon. Yeah. And I felt like we were funnier, so the name of the episode is called 200% Funnier. Nice. Because <laughs> I genuinely think we were funnier that time. I don't know, man. Hey. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah, so it was written by Heather Ash, and it was directed by... A new face, Andy Makita. Yeah, he comes out strong. Yeah, which is good, because he's here for 64 episodes across three good. shows. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, because he he makes, his, he makes his mark on this episode the second it starts. Yeah, he really does. His cinematography skills... I mean, I know he may not be the one specifically the cinematographer you know whatever yeah. but his directing of the cinematography here we go is insane it's yeah, it's and it's, i mean that in comparison to all the other shit that i'm always complaining about <laughs> this is this is all i need is just that 10 percent extra effort i think into paying attention to what it is you're giving to people if you're giving them a bunch of scenes that could be done in one maybe two shots and yet you're giving them 16 then <laughs> Yeah. 16 cuts is never necessary, guys. Mm -mm. It's never fucking necessary, okay? I, I promise you. I, without any education in this field, I promise you. You <laughs> do not need 16 motherfucking cuts and close-ups for a fucking conference room scene. Or an embarkation oh. room scene. Or a fucking security room scene. So thank you, Andy Makita, for knowing that. <laughs> and that way, every time someone argues with me on this, I can go, Well, I may not be an expert, but this motherfucker is. And he seems to know what he's doing. He seems to be doing a good job. I'm not, I'm not gonna say every other you know directing style is garbage but i'm not i'm not saying that their love of cuts isn't garbage listen i'm saying the fact that we don't have any education in this field actually says more about the director when we either are like "Ooh, that looks bad or oh that's really great because we don't know the technical side of it but if we can watch it and be like bothered by it because there's 20 million cuts or whatever that's a bad sign when even the layman is like that's not that's not yeah. great yeah or if in the first five seconds of this episode, we get this great shot where we we start on like the gate. Like most direct, not even most, like it's a common opener for this show. And it's fine. It's it's a staple of the show. We start it's, on it's the, the gate. It's the namesake of the show. Exactly. Completely fair, warranted, do it. Go for it. Do you, you know? We start on that, like always. A and it's opening up. Someone's coming through. Then we wide angle rotate around to come behind Hammond who is standing in front of the gate waiting for the people who are coming through spoilers it's SG1 what 
the the stars of the show. I know it's weird. Weird, yeah. And we focus on Hammond's back, and more specifically, we get a very. It's not like they like zoom in like Hitchcock, like dun 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 dun, dun. but like. You definitely notice, he frames the fact that Hammond's fist is, like, clenched at his side. Just this subtle little indication that something is up. Maybe it's just, oh no, we're under attack, or there's something going on, because his fist is obviously clenched. And then SG-1 comes through. But it's just, it's such a, it's the first five seconds of the episode and it's such a great shot it's smooth it communicates the rest of the episode oh yeah in the, the, first the tension is literally palpable. exactly no and i mean literally obviously not literally but <laughs> the tension is extremely palpable and I, <laughs> I i i have said it before and i will say it again that opening shot is epically underrated oh yeah 100 percent. because it's not like there's no crazy shit going on there it's just a nice smooth rotate that doesn't do like any crazy cuts or anything and there's not much going on on the screen it's the gate and then hammond but like you don't need that much to it's great it's it's such a good shot it's the first thing i texted you when i was watching this episode (laughs) my best example of you know sometimes you can just let a scene be a scene and just Mm -hmm. tell its story it's not like it's an opening scene it involves more of a post-production decision than anything but still this lives rent free in my head and i know this isn't exactly the best example of the best show ever it's not exactly the example of the best storyline ever but Uh uh-huh uh season four i think of star trek enterprise yeah involves god i i I want people to know that I understand how bad this show is in hindsight, okay? I have love for it, but I'm not <laughs> blind. Um, <laughs> because I'm about to describe something that's just it's so stupid. I can't believe I'm about to say the word zombies in space, but here we are. Um, a bunch of Vulcans get the equivalent of sci-fi zombied, and it's just, it's it's dumb. But while they're running from the zombies in totally not a prison, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not like in every single uh, horror-type episode involving zombies ever made in a show. It's not like it doesn't fit all the requisites of, 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 of crap. <laughs> Mm-hmm. you're literally running through destroyed corridors at this point mm-hmm. and this entire thing is quite effectively indicated to everybody that this is a beat up crumbling spaceship and yet the thing that lives in my brain for life is this moment where i was a kid watching this whole thing run down and then as the characters are running across the screen somebody decided a brilliant idea was to add post-production some extremely cgi fake looking computerized debris falling from the ceiling and it's oh my god it's so laughably obviously computerized that and, and again had no place there it, it they don't even like react to it in the scene it's literally just to go oh yeah by the way don't forget it's crumbling as if you can't see everything else going on in the scene and that's <laughs> an example i i often think of unintentionally of this was too much and it was really dumb it wasn't like the scene was under complicated it wasn't like it was simple but it was pretty easy to tell what the fuck was going on? Not just because it was also like 10 minutes from the end of the episode. We've spent, you know, 20 something minutes up until now figuring out that we're in a crumbling ship. Um, <laughs> they just so, wanted to make sure you didn't forget. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was bad. It was a bad decision on whoever's part. Um, and then several people afterwards who let that go to air like that, where it's again, and no one at any point went, hmm, do we need to do this? Yeah, obviously. Come and th- this opening shot, that's why I think it's so freaking underrated. Is This, an ex- this is an example of everything that's good in a scene. It's not a, an entirely equivalent type of situation. It's not like, you know, they've uh-huh. had as much time no. to set it up. Obviously, it's the opening shot versus being 30 minutes into the episode. But that's not my point. My point is, no one thought here, you know what we need to add? 
<laughs> they just went, okay, here's the shot. Absolutely. And I'm not, yeah, it's not like I'm unaware that sometimes you have to add in shit post-production, but it's a question of, do we need to? And the answer here is no. And I just love Andy Makita for that. Yeah, it's great. Like, we both, that was our first note, both of us. These, this episode has a lot of us having the exact same notes, uh, which isn't a rare occurrence. <laughs> right. But it's also not like... Some episodes, we get way more of that happening, you oh, yeah. know? Oh, yeah, definitely. And this is definitely one of those instances where uh, we got a lot more of it happening. Yeah. So, yeah, with all of that said and done, this epic shot is just the beginning of a great episode. And SG-1 is always really, as always, is just great <laughs> coming through the gate. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, they come, they come through. They are soaked to the bone. They've obviously just come off of um, California Adventures, Big Bear Rapids. Oh, yeah, we did, we did talk about that last time. Mm -hmm. And you're making me sad all over again. It's been so long since I've been down there. Like I know. God, 10 years? Jeez. God, yeah. I used to have a pass. Well, you used to live near there. Well, I lived, like, an hour away. So it's better than my I 12. used to have a pass, and, you know, I used to go all the time. I do remember seeing people with the ponchos, just like these guys. <laughs> and I remember thinking, why are you wearing a poncho if you're going on a water ride? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's so that you uh, have some basic part of you that is not completely fucking soaked. Then I raise you, don't to... go on a water ride. <laughs> Listen, I didn't buy the ponchos. But yeah, so, so SG-1 comes through. They just got off of Big Bear Rapids. They're soaked to the bone. And... Jack has got swimmer's ear because he's he's hard of hearing this entire opening. He keeps me like, what? Or like shouting. No, I feel um, that pain, bro. <laughs> and they're basically telling Hammond, oh, yeah, this trip was a wash. We thought we had some leads towards uh, Keb. And like as soon as Daniel says Keb, Hammond like just doesn't react visually like with his face at all. Like he's never heard that word before, and Daniel pauses. He goes, "The, the place Shade told me about," and then Tilk expounds, and he's like, "Yeah, the, the Harcesis," and like Hammond doesn't appear, just no reaction, no fucking reaction, and Daniel's like just trying to like help him remember, like that thing that I listen. Never I know shut people don't listen when I talk, but but surely some of it has to get through. I've mentioned Keb and the Harcesis, like once a day for 30 days straight now come on <laughs> not that that doesn't stop uh not that that stops jack from calling it a narcissus later narcissus <laughs> that's just jack i feel that jack. was on purpose oh yeah like i said it's just jack being jack <laughs> but yeah so uh they they tell him you know that all they found was water there <laughs> and like heaven doesn't even react to their nonsense he just tells them to go to medical <laughs> And they're like, can we dry off first? And he's like, no. <laughs> you have to go to medical. And then they hear and a little they hear, klaxon. They hear about, yeah, they hear about um, contaminated materials transfer. And they get to the elevator and there is a footman oh, in the but, elevator. But not before we uh, have a beautiful oh, yes. confusion <laughs> mini dance from Because Daniel. Hammond was... Hammond gives, like, no personal, no personality to his interaction with SG-1 or recognition of, of Keb or anything. So, like, after he sends them off and they're like, well, fine, okay, as soon as we get this done, we can wash, dry off. Everyone else walks off. Daniel lingers in front of Hammond for a second and just kind of, like, 
almost paces back and forth in front of him. Like, he's like, I, I'm confused, but I don't know how to say it. What's... <laughs> I just love his little, like, twitch, 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 twitch. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give a tiny little spoiler for the rest of this episode. Um, Daniel as Daniel is barely in this episode. True. He basically has a five-minute appearance, doesn't he? But Michael Shanks is phenomenal <laughs> in this episode. It's when he's Daniel, he drains it. He's like, yeah, I'm taking it. You know, all five minutes of this where I'm Daniel on screen, you're getting it. You're getting the full Daniel experience. I'm going full method. <laughs> yeah. But then the rest of it is just also phenomenal. And we'll get to the, the rest of it and what that means <laughs> in the episode. But they all go to medical and, oh, well, they're heading to medical, and they get on the elevator, and there is a an airman who is basically uh, being like the, the footman, I can't think of the term, bellhop, bellhop, <laughs> where he's, like, pushing the buttons, and, like, he's just standing uh, in the, the elevator, elevator with the gun, yeah, and they're like, uh, why, why are you here? And he's like, oh, there was a spill. Tetrachloroethylene. Um, yeah, dry cleaning material. <laughs> There was a spill on level 23, and it's been sealed off. They're cleaning it right now, but basically I'm, I'm just here to make sure, you know, you don't go near it. <laughs> it's like, they're adults, I think you could just tell them. <laughs> I don't but... know, it is Jack. You, you tell him not to go somewhere. Sometimes also, he Jack can't hear any of this warning, because he continues to have swimmer's ear. He goes, What? <laughs> I like how at any point, Jack, if you maybe took your finger out of your ear and stopped yeah, wiggling it around, maybe you'd hear anything other than that waka 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 sound. I could. But they get to medical. Uh, they're, they're all in separate, like, they're all in the same room, obviously, but they've got, like, the curtains separating each other. And, like, at this point in the scene, Daniel starts to be hard of hearing as well. And I don't know, I don't know if it's, just like partly to like continue the joke with Jack, like yeah, now it's spreading to Daniel, or if it's just meant to be like a tool for the reveal that happens here, where we get there's another nice little uh screen transition where we see they're all getting uh, shots after they come through, and we see one of them hold up the needle that they're about to inject in one of the SG one members. And then we pull back from that needle, and suddenly it's a different medical person with a different SG-1 member. The only thing I love... Okay, how am I going to say this? Yes, <laughs> no, the uh, the long takes are one facet of Makita's good directing, and then transitions would be the other one. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're both great. They're they're excellent. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. And and when you focus on a needle, it's very easy to have it suddenly be in the hands of someone else and we're in a different scene. When you're in a medical bay that, like, each of these areas has the same curtain, nothing changes in the, the shot. And it's just, it's it's such a simple transition. I'm, I'm a sucker for those kind of transitions. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The only one I like a little bit better... Uh, is the one from the Hathor Returns episode where they cut from the fake gate room to the real gate room. But that's just because of the narrative tool. That has nothing to do with, like, the visuals yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the reveal is they all get uh, injected and uh, they all get knocked out because medical is footholded. <laughs> so we, uh, well, not just medical, because we cut after they all get knocked out we get Teal'c waking up first, 
and obviously because he's got the junior yeah he's got junior in him and uh he is laying on the bed and he's he, you know because he's an ex- a professional experienced dude like he got knocked out when he wasn't expecting it so he's not gonna let anyone know he's awake yet so he's just lying still on the bed trying to gather information and he hears what seems to be janet what seems to be hammond what seems to be siler uh basically talking about the team and they're very obviously not janet hammond and siler <laughs> they're talking about how something they were trying to do some process they were trying to do to sg1 did not work on teal or sam because and of the like, uh, yeah. dominant Well, they say with teal, it's because of the dominant parasitical species of this galaxy. Which is a very interesting, specific line choice there. Yeah, and I appreciate Heather out. Ash for it. it. It's not the worst, It's because it's a little too obvious, but it's not replicated a bunch in the episode, so I don't care. Yeah, no, it's it's the one time it's thrown out, so it's fine that, like, if they kept saying it, yeah. that would be yeah, something. Yeah, if they kept having lines in general that were that obvious, I would have been yeah. a little more annoyed, but honestly, I feel like that was because she was like, I try, I try, I try, I can't figure out how to make it sound natural, so we're just not going to. <laughs> Sometimes it's just not possible. Yeah, so fuck it. Do Especially you when you're spying on someone having a conversation. Yeah. I mean, for all we know, they just speak that freaking literally. Yeah, maybe. We don't know much about this race. Maybe they're a bunch of Draxes. There we go. Beautiful. Uh, but yeah, so the, whatever process they did on SG-1 didn't work on Teal because of Junior and didn't work on Sam because of the, the trace remnants from her her little bout with Jolinar. I love how Nakwada just solves every problem. Hell yeah, man. Until they get tired of that and start using ZPMs for everything. Well, that's that's later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they decide that um, until they can figure out how to deal with that, they're just going to lock him away. Lock it in a closet. <laughs> Forget about it. So Siler is meant to be wheeling Teal'c away on his bed to a holding cell. Teal'c pretends to be asleep, and he picks his perfect opportunity. He pretends to be asleep through medical, through the elevator, to a new floor, which winds up being, um, is it 23 that he gets sent to now or later? No, 16. He's 16. Because the uh, guy asks, uh, not Siler, 23? And he goes, no, he's going somewhere else. Yeah, 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 there we go. So he gets, and he waits until the elevator door closes again after he's been taken off onto floor 16, and then he gets up out of the bed and one hit KOs this fake Siler. Just one punch, and he's down. <laughs> I love how these aliens look nothing. They're like anthropods or whatever, and yet they uh, still get punched out easy. It's like, I don't know what Chitin does exactly, but I'm pretty sure at least at least it's supposed to shock absorb, so it's funny that they get punched out so easily multiple times throughout the episode. <laughs> it's just amusing to me. That's it. But Luke uh, is just that powerful, I guess he man. is, but I mean, I guess, and so is Jack later, too, because he does it to uh, not Janet. But I, uh, I just, I just love True. the the goof here. That's <laughs> it's in the goofs too. It's listed in the goofs too. But it's you don't even have to look for it. It, it happens very obviously. Teal punches out Siler, and as he's dragging him onto the gurney, Siler's just like, "Cool, let me just kick up both my legs for you." <laughs> <laughs> he's just making it easier. He doesn't want to get a whole bunch of bruises on the back of his legs. Yeah, I guess not. Which fair, man. I you know, either. and for his trouble, he gets dropped off in a closet. <laughs> There you go. I'm just going to put that Why not? There. Why not? It just makes me laugh because I'm evil. Hell yeah. So yeah, Why he uh, drops it? him off in the closet and then yeah, a and beautiful then goes to get Sam. another take 
when he goes to the um armory. Another take? What? There's another long take when he goes to the armory. Oh, oh, <laughs> you just said another take, and I'm like, what? What are you? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There's another long take when he goes to um the armory. It's really I like it because it's actually very natural. It's kind of like in the uh, John Wick three movie where he's putting that gun together on top of that random antique shop that for some reason is filled with every weapon imaginable. He's putting it together piece by piece and you can actually see him fumble it just a tiny bit for like a little mini second. And I really love mm-hmm. that because it shows, you know, that even an expert in a, for like a second in like a high tense situation is going to have like a moment of not exactly right movements. And I kind of like a similar feel here where like there's a super long take in the armory where he grabs um, a gun belt and struggles with it a little bit as he's trying to undo it. He's like, he's like got it behind him and he's trying to undo the, the buckle and he's kind of like, Okay, 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 I got it. All right, now I've got it around my waist. Okay, I'm going to put it on. Okay, I'm going to put it on. And then he gets a funny clasp up. And then he tries to grab a gun, and even that bites him a little bit. And he's like, God damn it. And he grabs that, and then he starts going off. And it just makes me it makes me uh, happy until the moment I notice that he left the door wide open. Oops. Oops. But oh, I just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, maybe maybe close that door. Just just a thought. I mean, listen. Listen. What do you want out of him? But yeah, he gets himself armored up. Then makes it super obvious that somebody was just armoring up by leaving the door open. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he goes and gets armored up, and then he goes to find Sam and gets her out just in time for the sedative to conveniently wear off. Yeah, he, exactly. Yeah, just in time for her to wake up, and he gets her shit away and gets her updated on what he knows. Speaking of that, by the way, I forgot to uh, whine about this this iteration of recording, but I got to point out one more time: sedatives do not kick in. As fast as people oh, yeah, yeah. make it look no. at the, like it doesn't kick in that fast, not in real life, but TV would have you think otherwise. They'd have you think that you get stabbed in the butt and literally a second later you're like, okay, time to go unconscious. I'll say the same thing I did last time. It's some sort of alien sedative. There we go. But yeah, so he tells her what's going on. There's a very weird fade to black that I genuinely don't understand why it's there. But then they have a really good scene after it. What? Which one? Oh, the uh, the oh, security room scene. No, this oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because she says we have to do something to help, and then it just goes insta black. Yeah. For commercial break, and I'm like, what? And I understand obviously there was like something happened after, and they were like they had made the episode, and they were like, oh, turns out this is where the commercial break has to be, and they're like, Oopsie. well, here. <laughs> It's kind of like a YouTube ad. They're never really quite in the right spot. But yeah, so they uh, they go in. Uh, well, we, we actually cut directly to the security room. And um, the woman there... Lester Holm is back. Hell yeah, I love her. I love when we can like get attached to like an NPC character in the background. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. that person. Ooh, braid person. Um, yeah, so... Uh, we see her, and she's clearly watching the videos. Uh, we see on one, you know, we see all the different screens quickly. Uh, someone knocks on the door, and she just shouts, "It's unlocked!" Uh, oh no, she just says, "Come in." Yeah. Sorry. And then clearly, Sam's voice from the other side says, "It's locked." And this woman, first of all, is annoyed that she has to stand up. So I love that aliens are apparently also frustrated when they have to do shit like this. <laughs> Uh, but she's annoyed that she has to stand up, and she's, like, muttering to herself, like, it's not locked, but just, like, casually goes over to the door and, oh, doesn't check the- why don't you have a password? You are in a foothold situation, woman, and you are the foothold. How do you not have a password or anything? Maybe the reason why these guys haven't had any luck finding a viable new home is because they're really bad at their jobs. Because they're really fucking stupid. (laughs) Like, you can't even do espionage very well, so. Yeah, it's- yeah, but she just opens the door, and 
you know, gets laid out. They start looking through the cameras because it's Sam and Teal, shocker. And they get um, they get a shot of the gate room where we see some ha- some aliens coming through and what seems to be Jack and Daniel greeting them. And <laughs> Teal has this line where I, it's like I understand what what you meant to say. <laughs> But considering what this show is, it doesn't quite read right. Mm-hmm. Where Teal'c says, Colonel O'Neill and Daniel Jackson we know. The Colonel O'Neill and Daniel Jackson we know would not welcome aliens so blithely. And it's like, I mean, it depends on the alien. Yeah, it's like, I mean, did you not watch last week's episode? <laughs> or two weeks ago, I should say. Where uh, Martouf literally strolled on in and everybody was like, sup, alien. Sup. Also, they greet you. <laughs> every day so blithely and you're yeah, an alien right? that yeah it's it's fully interpretable what she meant by that by that piece of dialogue but heather ash did kind of miss the mark a little bit there with the dialogue choice just because it doesn't actually track i know it's like i i feel like if you had tried to to qualify it better for the scenario it would have sounded even more awkward so like it's fine. In real life, people say shit sometimes where it's like, did you mean to say it that way? Or <laughs> Is that what you meant? Yeah. They also noticed that there are no cameras on level 23 because they remembered the whole thing about the spill. And they're like, well, obviously, if there's some weird foothold situation going on right now and they said don't go to level 23, there's probably something going on in level 23. That might be a thing we need to think about. <laughs> but they basically decide that Sam needs to get out of the base and get to someone to talk to someone in charge that's not on base because obviously they can't know who they can trust on base. They can trust anyone on base. And there's another one of those lines where it's, it's so funny because we love Heather Ash, but like the the show itself merits some of these lines to happen. And she, uh, apparently it was actually done. She wrote, she did this whole part in kind of response to how easy it was for people to break into the mountain in the black hole episode. But like uh, with, with them planning on Teal'c causing a distraction while Sam escapes, she makes this comment about how the, the mountain was built to keep people out, not to keep people in. And it's like, yeah, but this isn't your first footholdish situation. You've had to have the base on lockdown before. Yeah, it I do I do commend your attempt to uh, address the security issues that I'm always talking about yeah. in SGC, but But the fun thing is she actually gets out of the base the exact same way the commando team got into the yeah base. and i do love that she's trying to and, and by history i mean heather ash i like how she's like no see it wasn't just like you know a massive security error on behalf of sgc during matter of time it wasn't like we would have even accepted that the time dilation honestly was at play as a yeah. factor of issue there i mean for me it's the fact that for example the guy who hasn't worked a day in sgc somehow is very quickly and in a time dilation situation <laughs> was able to get security Not clearance authorization codes, that allowed yeah. for him to do self-destruct like what like obviously yeah. I, I, I could just be that i'm missing something that the air force computers were just that I mean, advanced and know. they would have recognized a security code from fucking anyone but that seems Listen, like an even dumber situation for all that we already talked about how we're not experts in film uh, we're even less experts in the military, so... But that's what kills me, is, like, if somebody were to tell me, oh, it's because anybody with a colonel-level security clearance or whatever above is capable of, of accessing this self-destruct thing, I, I would come right back to them with, okay, 
and that's not dumb as fuck. Why? Because that seems like an even bigger problem oh, yeah. <laughs> when you widen the pool that much. So, so where does the mistake? Lusta- mistake. Where does the mistake lie? Does it lie with the writers, most likely, or does it rely with army intelligence? Well, I guess that could also be a, po- a possible. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, be right. Shocked. I guess you say it that way. You're like, oh shit, is it really? Is this based uh-huh. on real life? Because I do know we have <laughs> our our nukes are controlled by fucking floppy disks. Mm. So you know, yeah. Well, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So Teal'c is gonna be a distraction while Sand gets out. Um, and in that distraction, he punches some people again. More one hit KOs. Uh, he double zats a dude, so that's a thing. He definitely killed at least one guy. And here's another thing. Uh, we can't be entirely certain if it was an alien or not, because in this scene, we get a reveal. So he he eventually gets knocked out by grenade gas, and he gets captured. Obviously, he can't take on a whole base. It's Teal'c, I believe in him, but even Teal'c can't take on the entire Stargate base on his own. Uh, maybe if the rest of SG-1 were also in on it, but not him alone. Uh, but before he gets knocked out by the gas... We see him going up to one of the dudes he punched out and explicitly, they explicitly focus on the fact that the dude is bleeding. And when I say bleeding, I mean our kind of blood, normal blood. Red blood. And we will see later on in this show that a good indication for whether someone is footholded or not is that they they bleed this like purple gack. shit. Yeah, this purple gack shit. Um, upon my rewatch, I did. I, I still agree with this assessment, but I did consider that it could have possibly. Um, and if okay, and if they were going for the second option, I don't think they did as good of a job going for it as they did uh-huh. accidentally for their what we think it is. But it did occur to me that they might have been just trying to represent the uh, full capabilities of the mimetic device, as it's called in the trivia. That doesn't make any sense because later on they get shot. Well, <laughs> that's the thing. Is the one that gets shot, it doesn't have, uh, when she's fingering its blood, it doesn't have the device on anymore. It's in its natural form. It could have been said that the um, dead dude that he was fingering still had the device on his chest just out of shot because it wasn't revealed yet. And that the device makes the blood look red. I'm not saying I believe it. I'm just saying it could have been when indicated. When one that. of them gets shot uh, later on, even before they remove the mimetic device from him, he is bleeding the gack yeah, blood. Like I said, he's I, not bleeding normal blood. So if that's what they were going for, it was wrong. <laughs> and, I, and that's what I led yeah. with. I did leave with that, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. I don't think no, that's I'm, what they were I'm going for. With you there. Because yeah. if they did, I don't think it was as clearly indicated. Um, it definitely seemed to be indicating a different, more dark purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What we both think. Um, so we've actually talked about this before, where sometimes we think production notes come down and something has to change. Um, it's. Uh, it's an unavoidable part of things we consume being made for money uh, is that the production notes come down sometimes to change things. And sometimes it's for the better and sometimes it's for the worse. And I don't even know if I would say it's for the worse here because, I mean, people like you and I still got the implication here. But if you think about it, and especially with the fact that we saw on screen more aliens coming through, and later on we will see another person getting footholded, like the process of them getting footholded. Not everyone in the base is footholded right now. The people you would need to keep control of it, Hammond, medical, security, those people are all footholded. But as long as Hammond is footholded, he can tell the, the little henchmen whatever he wants and they're gonna believe it 
they're gonna believe oh especially with this show and what's happened in the past before oh sg1 came through from the planet and they got some effect on the planet that's made them paranoid like don't listen to anything they say you know capture them time down until we get them fixed that's yeah i would believe that we had the broken divide episode you know it's not that all you have to do is have the person in charge be footholded and then the little peons will listen for yeah. the most part um so at least long enough for you to jab him in the ass with something mm -hmm. so this scene is showing that like not everyone in the base is footholded yet which means teal might have just killed a person we don't know because that person got zatted so um i do think that one was an alien because teal zats him because he was actively firing at him gun yeah <laughs> at teal yeah so that was probably an alien there's a good chance that one was an alien and even but if it wasn't still. you're still allowed to defend yourself in that situation absolutely. and it definitely absolutely. could have been said that let's say he of the moment he's thinking stun won't be enough against this person if it yeah, if fair. if a fa mm -hmm. they are an alien do i really risk my life in this situation on a mm -hmm. gamble yeah. or do i kill a dude who may have only been doing his job but you know it's not like people in the armed services aren't aware that there might be a small element of death especially if attached to it and then when you add into that working in a top secret place like sgc that has to deal with fucking aliens I, you know, there's at least, I have to feel like, uh, there has to be at least an assumed inherent 11% death warning or something subconsciously yeah. attached to any of these kinds of postings. Like, if you accept one, I'm guessing you're at least 11% aware. <laughs> when you accept your posting Or I should there, say, uh, you have to be aware shirt. of the 11% chance likelihood of you being redshirted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you could end up being Guy Fleegman. You could be the person who dies to prove that the Aww. situation is serious. It doesn't mean your death was actually that ineffective. Guy, you have a name. <laughs> Do I? Do, Do I? I? Or am I just crewman number seven? But yeah, so we get that little indication that not everyone in the base is footholded, but uh, that's the only real indication we get of that. Yeah. They don't talk about we're it. We're pretty sure I there was another scene. It comes down to a production note. Yeah. Because we've talked about before where we're like, oh, they probably had to cut for time something here or whatever. Uh, I genuinely think it would be a production note for this one because that's something where it's like, no, Tilk's a hero. You can't say that he hurt people who weren't aliens. Yeah, it, it feels like a last minute decision, honestly, because there's one other one that I, again, didn't catch until literally today, until about 10 minutes mm -hmm. before we were recording and I was doing another little quick zap through the episode. And I noticed uh, that uh, there's a fuck up. It's a small fuck up, but it's yeah. when they're on the plane later and Sam's talking about the different pieces of tech, she's talking about the memetic device and then all of a sudden she has in her hand the mind reading device that very clearly was still smack on the brow of the other alien. <laughs> And it's, it's it's so badly cut together. It's really it's really actually. It's, I'm su I'm surprised at myself for never seeing this before because it's kind of sloppily put together. And it's clearly like an inserted scene where it's just something's missing or something. And I don't know why. And it's yeah, it's so it painful. Could be another production. That's note, what I'm thinking. Is I'm, like I, you need to clarify this. Yeah, more something for the viewers. something was not good enough at the end that they had to do that instead. And if that's if that is to them better than what was there, <laughs> then clearly something else was going on. I mean, Ooh, it's not that I don't trust yeah. them. I'm just wondering what the fuck else was done differently. So yeah, that would totally lean towards a, somebody at the last second going, okay, we can't have this scene in there. It's too fucking dark. Teal can't be yeah. a killer, even though he kills plenty but of people. But they still left the part where he looks at the blood. So I guess, like, to be fair, that blood thing is... um. 
at the very least, I think it, let's say that we're completely wrong and this was actually just meant to be the most basic of comparisons. I think it's like an 11% chance that somebody actually was just going for something really simple here, that either originally or through re-editing, mm-hmm. which is, ooh, look, humans have red blood. Ooh, look, these guys have purple. They must be alien. It literally could have just been something that simple. That is something they have done in other, you know, lesser kind of episodes of other shows. I'm sure even in this one, they've had a couple of, there's, there's always like, it's like how we always um, are no- noting how dumb it is for people to be bleeding out of their mouths constantly for yeah. wounds they can't be bleeding out of. Another thing we all accept as a staple is the dramatic dips fingers into blood to make sure it's actually blood <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. Where it's like, mm, there's a there's a body on the floor here. There's a red pool next to that body. Dips hand in. Yep, that's definitely blood. They must definitely be dead. <laughs> Sometimes people think that that is a better way to check for life than, I don't know, checking for life. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a staple. So we cut, he gets knocked out by the grenade. We cut to Sam, who is safely outside of the base. And we don't, we don't see how this happens, but she clearly got to Washington, which is fair. I, at last time we recorded this for a minute, I was like, hang on. But the photo is only on SGC. Yeah. It's completely reasonable that she'd be able to get a plane ticket to Washington. And especially because this is before 9-11, so it's much easier to do this shit quick. Yeah. Without having to have a lot of, like... <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just easier. It's easier to make a quick jump to Washington. Yeah. Yep, and it's uh, the same place in uh, Vancouver that they, that they filmed their last <laughs> Washington, D.C. Yeah, <laughs> which is... Fair, um, actually, know? one second. I had, you go with what looks the same. Yeah, I have it here. Um, the outdoor cafe where Sam meets Harry is in the UBC Robson Square in front of the Vancouver Art Gallery. The bronze statue of Bird of Spring can be seen in the background. Uh, background. Uh, Sam and Jack walk past the same statue in season one episode, Politics. In both cases, this area stands for Washington, D.C. Dude, I had another little wine fest the other day with Eric. I was like, I just, I hate that even now I say Washington State when I tell people where I live. Because fucking D.C. has ruined everything. Yeah. When I say I live in Washington, it's like, oh, D.C.? I'm like, did I say Washington, D.C.? Or did I say Washington? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. It fucking bugs me. It's not called Washington <sighs> State. It's called the state of Washington. Just say D.C. That, that's what I do. I say D.C. as well. <laughs> so, yeah, she gets to D.C. She's on a payphone, and she calls, unfortunately, Mayborn. I spent a good chunk of our first recording waxing poetic about how much I love Tom McVeigh and I can sum it up better probably here which is I love Tom McVeigh and he does such a great job again of establishing Mayborn he even develops Mayborn with a few facial expressions in this episode this episode does more for Mayborn and his character than every episode before this combined has done for him He's an actual person now. Yeah. An idiot. But yeah, a person. Oh. Yeah, see, before he was a fucking moron, but now he has been slightly upgraded to just idiot. Yeah, no. Now he's he's an idiot who's trying, but uh you know that that thing where like you're a hero in your own mind, but yeah. you're a villain. Everybody thinks Un- they're the hero of their own story. Yeah. Um, like he's just an idiot. Simmons is just like actively a prick. Uh but Mayburn, like, he's an idiot. But he is convinced he's doing the right thing at every point in time. This is a great episode for him. Even if we were like, no, Sam, why? The why did you call time? him? Every time you see him, you're like, yeah, fuck you, Mayborn. Except for the end uh-huh. where I'm like, oh, fuck you, Mayborn. Yeah, so she warns him. She's like, there's a foothold at SGC. I need to meet you in person. We can't talk about this over the phone. 
And he's like, you should not be calling me. This is not the line of, you know, progression. And she's like, yeah, I had to go out of that because we have a foothold situation, Mayborn. Did you not hear me? I love, he is the perfect example of that terrible boyfriend. Like, you give him an entire list of things that you want to talk about. pays attention to one And he'll pay attention to one detail. And it's like, how the fuck is that what you heard? But yeah, so she convinces him, she's like, we're going to meet at the cafe that's, like, right outside of um, NID headquarters at this time. And she's like, you know, you know, come alone, be, be careful about this, blah, blah, blah. And then she trusts him to do it. I know. But yeah, so she goes and meets up with him. And he's being very, like, like not believing her and all this kind of stuff. So Mayborn. Yeah, yeah. And basically, he's being completely unhelpful. Oh, wait, sorry, before we get this scene, we actually cut back to SGC. He agrees to meet her. That's, okay. So, yeah. Let me, let me, I'm just gonna, uh, but yeah, so he grudgingly agrees to meet her because you don't tell Sam no, really. You know, when she puts her foot down, you're like, okay, yeah, sure. And then we cut back to SGC, where Teal is waking up, and they attempt to gaslight the fuck out of him. Thankfully, Teal is made of sterner stuff. <laughs> He's just like, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> but they basically try to tell him that they that SG-1 were exposed to the chemical fumes from the spill that they warned them about. Which is like, but the, the bellhop guy wasn't? <laughs> He's been sitting in that elevator and he wasn't exposed, you know? Uh, but basically how it's been making them paranoid. Um, and that he attacked several people trying to escape the base. And they're like, hey, can you tell us where Sam is? And he's like, no. Which is fair, he can't. But also, he wouldn't tell you even if he could. <laughs> so, yeah, we get um, we get them trying to gaslight him. He's like, I don't know where, you know, I don't know where she is. And they're like, well, you, you know, she, she needs to get medical attention soon or she might die. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> Tilk doesn't bully them. Tilk's made a sterner stuff than that. But then we cut back to Washington, D.C. And we're at the cafe um, in front of NID headquarters. Mayborn shows up. Sam is there. She's like, there's a foothold. General's, General Hammond's been compromised. And he's like, well, he sounded fine to me on the phone. She's like, you called him? And he's like, yeah, he's in charge. Oh, well, she's like, no, he called me. He's worried about you. And she's like, I told you we had a foothold situation, you fucking moron. And he gives her the same gaslighting explanation they tried to give Teal'c. And she's like, you're an idiot. You know, I, I can tell the difference. My favorite thing about this is the fact that he just thinks that bad guys would not lie. Like, it, like it's just ridiculously dumb that he gets told by somebody, hey, there's bad guys there. And then he calls those people and goes, hey, are you bad guys? And they're like, no. And he goes, cool, thanks. I would say this actually comes down a lot more to this episode shows a lot, uh, especially in the, like this scene of how he's very... He's very methodical about, like, the red tape and, like, the... He, he's a Vogan. Like, you have to fill out the paperwork. You have to do it exactly, you know? So, like, he gets a call from Sam. And, like, the first thing he said to her was, like, you, you're you way out of, like, the not, juris, not jurisdiction. That's not the word we want. Yeah, chain you of know command. What I mean. Chain of command. Like, he's, he's like, oh, she went out of the chain of command for this, so I'm gonna, you know... But when the chain of command calls me, that's fine. Like... He ha he feels like he has to trust the chain of command, even when he's been told it's been compromised. Hence why know? I'm sitting here going, you're a fucking idiot. Oh, yeah. Also, why Sam calls him an idiot. <laughs> Every day of but, the week. But, uh, 
Yeah, so, oh, we'll get there. We'll get, we're almost there. So as he's talking with her and, like, trying to secondhand gaslight her, Jack and Daniel walk up. And I love how casual they look. They're both wearing sunglasses, like, button-down shirts. The fact that Daniel is out of the mountain should be the first indication that something is up here. But they both sit down at the uh, table. This is where Sam has the best line ever. Where she stands up, she puts her hands on the table, leans across the table to, like, loom in Mayburn's face. And she's like, Mayburn, you're an idiot every day of the week. Why couldn't you have just taken one day off? Because that would be like taking a day off from breathing. <sighs> Amazing line. Oh my god. It's, it's equal with uh, last week's episode. Where, where Daniel's like, I'm in its dead. Sorry. Pause. Pause. Actually, I'm, I'm not sorry. <laughs> it's equal. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. That's where you see where they're, they're the Chaos Twins. Because they've both got that just... No. They will tear you down. <laughs> There's a reason why they're both ja um, Jack's type. Yeah! <laughs> He's got a very specific type, but it's mouthy and smart. Too bad we didn't get to see more of his ex. Yeah, sadly. She was definitely, like, mouthy might be a little bit too- But she definitely wasn't afraid to tell him how she felt about things, so. Yeah, but that's also just called marriage. Fair, fair. Also, she had to deal with him when he was suicidal, so, like, and Kurt I Russell. Being, like, I'm done, fucking done. Yeah, she had to be married to Kurt Russell. <laughs> I say it again. Kurt Russell is a fantastic actor. He plays a block of wood in he that does. movie. I, it's like a sentient piece of wood with nuke codes. But yeah, so uh, Foothold, Daniel, and Jack are like trying to, you know, talk her down and everything. Um, Foothold, Daniel is masterful in his manipulation of Daniel's body, where he explicitly takes his sunglasses off. Just to give Sam the puppy dog eyes. Like, look, it's your friend. It's your twin. It's your brother. You trust me, right? Look, look at this face. I can't be lying to you. Look at this. Like, they focus on his puppy dog eyes on her. The problem is that this would have worked so well on me. I, uh, I probably, yeah. probably would have had, had sex with my first alien that day. <laughs> I mean, if, if, it, if you enjoy it. <laughs> They do in Galaxy Quest. But yeah, so they they try and like talk her around like, hey, you, you know the side effects of being exposed to that shit before, you know, before, right? And she like basically lists all the things they're trying to tell her that she's experiencing right now. Um, and she's like, yeah, but I I know what I saw. And, and uh, you know, they basically, she she's stuck there. She can't get out. Like she keeps insisting like, no, I'm, I'm right. You're lying to me. You're trying to gaslight me. Uh, but they all, including Mayburn, decide to go back to SGC together. And we see them on the plane. I think we actually might cut to Jack. We're not sorry. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So we, they're, they're all leaving. They're, they've got a plane waiting for them. Um, then we go back to SGC. And uh, <laughs> there's a part where they talk about... Because Teal'c is tied down he's got like he's got a leather brace around his neck he's got them all across his body they're not letting him get up they're smarter than a lot of people in this show they saw him lay 
out a couple of people with one hit. They're not giving him a chance. But they're like, you know, we have to keep you tied up because there are still three people with concussions that you attacked. And this is when I sent you a text back. I'm like, yeah, and one of them's fucking dead. Because <laughs> he double shot someone with a zat. But this is where they get notification that they've gotten Sam. And, you know, she's being brought back. At which point... They're like, well, we don't have to pretend anymore. <laughs> we don't need you to tell us where Sam is because we have you. So, yeah, we're going to start experimenting on you. Yay. Because uh, basically it comes down to the fact that they don't know how the larva reacts with any of their own science. So there's going to be a scene later um, in this episode where we just see Janet doing, like, full-on tests, jabby, painful tests. Ooh, yeah. And just, like, with this detached scientist when when she's clinical like, psychopath basically looks. torching torturing yeah it's whoo heather you don't stray away from the dark shit heather does not stray away from the dark shit she really doesn't we you know starts off with, with learning curve child but... sacrifice and then right delves straight into you know why the geneva convention exists but yeah so then we get on the plane and they're you know it's they've got sam Daniel, Jack, Mayburn's also there because he's basically, he's like, look, I'm going with to confirm that this is all fine. Like, he's, like, yeah, he was stupid to, like, tell Jack and Daniel where he was going to be meeting with Sam and all that stuff and accepting Hammond's explanation, but he isn't just accepting it. No. He does have a stopgap in place. He's like, if I don't get to leave, I've got, like, you know that that thing where they're like, oh, if I... If you kill me and I can't get to my computer within the next 24 hours, you know, all of your information is going to be... It's one of those kind of stopgaps where it's like, if I don't get in contact with my team within a certain amount of time, then there will be an invading force on SGC. So he does... He, he at least has something there, you know? He didn't just blindly accept Hammond's explanation. He's like, look, I'm going there to confirm one way or the other which one of you is correct. And I... If I do get captured or footholded or whatever, you know, I've got a backup plan. Granted, if they completely replace him, they could just foothold him and have him tell the backup plan not to. But, you know, he's at least trying. He's trying. He's doing his Mayborn best, okay? <laughs> but yeah, so they're on the, the ship. The ship. The plane. Uh, and apparently Paul is here. I love how they don't mention Paul, um being on this plane or at any point in time until we get to this whole thing where they're having like a conversation while they're talking uh we do see sam she like eyes mayborn's gun in his like side piece or whatever and then like um shortly after the fake jack his image like flickers oh yeah and she sees like what's underneath for that's a our first image of uh that's our first shot of Al alex sahara coming back again hell yeah, yeah alex um otherwise known as zales and michael from zales from spirits and michael from 1969 the hippie the hippie hip michael the hippie yeah but yeah that's his first shot he plays two characters in this one because when you're fucking alex sahara you get called in for all the good shit hell yeah so as soon as he flickers, Sam doesn't waste a second. She grabs Mayburn's gun and just shoots Jack. Because, like, until now, she was pretty sure they were footholded. But, you know, you're still not going to know for certain. But now she's seen that there's an alien. Dude, I love her there. instant reaction. I also love Mayborn's reaction where he's, like, trying to, even as... He 
He's not stopping her because he's like, holy fuck. But even then you can see him, I mean, it's mostly just Tom McVeigh doing a great job where you can see him actively trying to convince himself he didn't just see that yeah. because he is not wanting to deal with that. Not because it means he's wrong, but because that means he's in a pressurized metal tube about to be sprayed with bullets and two <laughs> aliens. But um, when she shoots the the fake Jack... We get a distinct shot of the fact that he is not bleeding red blood. A moment later, the fake image dies, and now we just see the alien underneath. Everyone gets to see the alien underneath now. And shout out to fake Daniel, who acts shocked that there's a, that Jack was an alien. He's like, what? It's like, dude, you came in with him. Come on, we're not stupid. He's trying. He is the professional spy of their group. He tries his damnedest to keep his cover the whole time. Shout out to that alien. Yeah. I'm proud of him. He tries his best. Apparently he's played, I think, if I'm reading this right, I think he's the one that's played by um, Dion Johnston's Johnston. God, I don't know why that T is so hard for me, but it is. Um, Dion Johnston comes back again. Uh, Nelson from Rules of Engagement. Mm. He's back again for one of the Stragoth, and I th it says Stragoth number two, and I think that's Stragoth number two, so. Maybe. But yeah, so, and this is actually the scene where we we first get an indication that Paul is on this plane. Because all of a sudden the pilot door opens. <laughs> yeah, and we see him, like, trying to sneak up on Sam with her gun. All these guns just make me realize how much pre-9-11 this is. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, this is a private plane. Yeah, and I get that it's a military plane and all that shit, but the airport alone would have been a fucking nightmare. Fair enough, yeah. Especially in DC. But yeah, he like sneaks up on her and it does this like raptor scream thing. Dude, I love it. I think it's, <laughs> it's great. So good. That, that is post-production dubbed really well because it's genuinely terrifying. Um, I it's wonderful. Yeah, no, and his like he just he, like he gives he it his dedicates all. His yeah, face man, to he it. gave yeah, it his he's all. Like, Fuck it. I I love Paul. Every time I get to see Paul, it's like hell yeah, Paul's here. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I, I brought it up last time, but my favorite version of an actor having to do this is a blooper from some season of Supernatural, where Jensen Ackles, his, he has to embody like a nightmare sequence, and it's like him demonized or whatever with his mouth stretching epically out of proportion. So naturally, he has to look at the camera and go, rah! And uh, I love the blooper because he starts giggling like an idiot because everyone behind the cameras is laughing at him like a bunch of idiots. Yeah. <laughs> and he literally just goes, stop it. You can't make me laugh. I can hear you laughing. And I just, I always feel for actors in those moments. So I kind of feel for um, the guy who plays Davis here. But at the same time, you do a great job. Uh, and if anyone laughed at you, fuck them. Yeah. Because you had to go terrifyingly. And by the way, this is how you use slow motion is slightly. Because they do kind of slow mm -hmm. it down a little bit for dramatic purposes while he goes, rah! raptor style at the camera and i just yeah. love all of it Hell including yeah, the dedication yes but he also gets shot because she had a gun <laughs> she didn't appreciate like, his acting your raptor talents. scream was great but she had a gun god this makes me think of the pterodactyl scream <laughs> sorry that always kills me that guy who sailed through the red light screeching like a pterodactyl oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and all the Maybe cops it saw a, it if it gets you out of a ticket you know <laughs> that story had me his Hysterically laughing at two in the morning. I woke up everybody else around me. It was terrific. But yeah, um, so Mayborn's like, well, the pilot is one of mine. So like, you know, we need to make sure he shouldn't be footholded. We should go check on him, make sure like Paul didn't kill him or something. Um, but she's like, you go first. And he's like, look, and he cuts his palm and shows that he's bleeding red blood. And he's like, I'm, I'm not one of them. <laughs> 
Which, fair enough, he did, like, bring them in, so, like, he's got to prove it at this point, you know? So, she goes to check on the pilot while Mayborn keeps an eye on Daniel, who is still trying to pretend like he's not an alien. <laughs> so much so that he even goes in to allow the illusion of choking to occur. Well, not yet. But yeah, but I, I like, that's what I'm saying, like, I like their dedication. Yeah, good for him. I, yeah, I, I love the, I love the alien pretending to be Daniel. He went method acting, and I, you gotta love the dedication to his craft oh yeah that that alien has love him <laughs> i hope he got an award for it right before he a died posthumous <laughs> yeah post posthumous award but yeah so then we cut very briefly to uh sgc where we see jack and paul who are both hanging from these little like uh they're clearly like an, uh, an allusion to uh, body snatchers with the pods and stuff, but they're like, oh, that's right. I forgot that I made that comparison last time. Was that this was an homage to the body snatchers? Oh, absolutely. The the way that 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 they're like kind of fleshy but planty at the same time. The stuff that they're hooked up in, they're like they're like in these harnesses that are hanging from the ceiling, and they've got these little head devices on them and everything. Um, it's definitely an homage to Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but. Paul and Jack both wake up, and we see Hammond next to Jack, and he doesn't seem to be waking up or whatever, but then we cut right back to the plane, and this is where we get um, Sam basically uncovering, like, all of the tech that these, these aliens have. She figures out that there is a little, a little thing that's, like, behind the ear or where it would be on an ear on the alien or whatever, you know, where it would be an ear for a person. Yeah, I um, call it their alien is, brow. Yeah. And it's basically how they're, like, psychically connecting to the person they're pretending to be um, to aid in their acting. Uh, and then she discovers that there's a little glowing thing on their chest that when she detaches it, that's how, um, that's their actual mimetic device, their actual visual thing. Because she d figures it out on the fake Daniel. She, she sees it. Because he... This fool had his, his button down slightly unbuttoned. <laughs> and she sees it and is like, hang on. And pulls it's it off and even, then reveals. Even a bug alien like the Strygoth can acknowledge the the sexiness of Michael Shanks <laughs> and the need for the deep V. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. No, I again, he was a method. I respect him. I respect this alien. So they try and question uh fake daniel and he's you know not giving them anything <laughs> my note here i forgot about it was lol i would have shot fake daniel right away yeah <laughs> that's how you concluded last time you're like yeah that's what jack would have done <laughs> yeah absolutely he would have he would have shot i yeah at the very least like shoot his leg yeah <laughs> first thing first thing would have been well sorry oh that's right all right daniel they're either dying for the cause yeah or you're about to be unveiled uh-huh but uh, he does try and fight back at one point, but gets shot once, but not enough to kill him. Just enough to, like, wing him. This just makes me know? laugh, because on one hand, dude, I like Mayborn being on top of his shit. He's, and I love his sit down, you know? It's pretty yes, cool. Yes, it's, it's pretty great. badass. Um, I have to give him that. But at the same time, I just laugh, because will people stop firing fucking guns in a pressurized plane that is going very fast? 10,000 feet or higher well, above the ground. Um, I have good news for you. At this point, for this episode, they are done doing that. Yeah, it only took 24 bullets. <laughs> so, yes. 
Uh, Sam figures out that the thing she pulled off of Daniel is how they do the image because she puts it on herself and suddenly she is Daniel. And this is where I was talking about how Michael Shanks is actual Daniel for about three minutes in this yep. episode. But he's still on screen a decent amount of time. He's just not himself. And he's great in every scene. He's great when he's, in, he's the most method spy alien ever. Um, he's great when it's Sam pretending to, not even really pretend, she's not trying to pretend to be Daniel. It's just Sam wearing she's Daniel's face. She's just wearing face. his face. She, call her Co, because she's the face stealer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, he does an amazing job in every scene, and it's so delightful to watch him. Because, like, so much credit to him in, like, the subtleness of his acting when he's Sam in Daniel's body. Other actors who aren't good could have, like, really over-exaggerated, you know, being a woman in a man's body or whatever. Yeah. But he he never even gets, like, feminine or whatever. No. I don't even know how you would, like, qualify that, but there's just... I'm sure and some asshole will try to qualify it not because she is a woman, but there is a, a, a softness to Sam that is not there in Daniel. At the very least, her voice is personality softer. aspect. Oh, yeah, the way she talks. Yeah, like her voice um, is just softer than his. Yeah. So he speaks and, gently. And uh, Michael Shanks talks with the same sort of, like, intonation as her. And like even holds himself a little bit different oh, yeah. when he's pretend when he's pretending to be Sam in Daniel's body, and it's great. It's so it's it's that subtle detailing that's so delightful, and it's like he he should be a bigger actor because he's a very good actor. He's very good at, and I think may like I I don't know him personally. Maybe he likes to stay in sci-fi because there are more opportunities for like transformation scenes. Yeah. Like, the amount of wild opportunities in one show he's had, he had this episode, he had the one where, uh, he was Michello, uh, he had the one with Michello's bugs, he has the one in a little bit, uh, Lifeboat, he's, he's got so many opportunities where he's, he's using his own face, he's, he's technically the same character, but maybe he's just someone pretending to be that character, or, and sci-fi, you get that opportunity a lot more, there's, body swap is a trope, you know, just, like, the tropes that are expected from sci-fi shows just give actors the opportunity to have a little bit more fun sometimes, yep. or, like, and in I fantasy, think some, too, and I think some actors, whether, Again, I don't know him. I don't know if he made this conscious choice. Yeah, maybe he's looking more at how much challenge and how much fun he can have with his roles and not about how popular it makes him or how successful it makes him. Maybe he's just looking at sci-fi lets me do all this crazy cool stuff, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I just I just love how he demonstrates that. Okay, so this is a brief disclaimer on this. It's I love stories like um the one that for one I forgot which Deathly Hollows it was. I guess it must be the first one. Um but there's a scene where it's Helena Bottom Carter, but it's Hermione as Bellatrix. And the way they shot that was they originally had it rehearsed where Emma Watson acted out the whole scene as if she oh, was, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. there pretending to be Bellatrix. And so when you watch the final result, it's Helena Bonham Carter pretending to be a version of Hermione disguised as Bellatrix Lestrange. It's intense. <laughs> 
but it's actually her acting like Emma Watson, acting like Helena Bonham Carter yeah. doing the scene. It's impressive. So I love those moments, but I really like that some actors, okay, and I'm not saying that Helena Bonham Carter couldn't have done this herself. It's just, yeah. you hear those stories where that's why it's so perfect is because they literally act it out step by step first and then do like yeah. a comparison shot type thing. Yeah, a more recent version of it is in MCU in uh, Thor Dark World. Uh, there's a scene where Loki transforms into Captain America and he's like wearing the costume and he's got the shield and everything. And at one point he transforms entirely into Captain America. So it's Chris Evans on screen. And then at another point he's just Loki but wearing the costume and everything. And the way they did that was they first had um, Hiddleston acting out the scene that Chris Evans had to do, and then they had Chris Evans act exactly how he did, but it was Chris Evans doing it. Like, I, I love when they, they take that extra step, where it's like, you know, whether you've been interacting with that actor a lot or not, there's still, you know, no matter how much you know, how well you know them, there's still an element of, you're going to see exactly how they would do this scene. And then you're going to have a better opportunity to perfectly emulate it. Yeah. And for everything that's great about that, I do like this, you know, other side of it. That's why I was you know, bringing it up is I do really like yeah. how you have that that aspect. But I really, honestly, I think I appreciate more the other one, which is more like um, building it from the ground up yourself mm -hmm. as an interpretation. So you have these little moments like in this episode. Um, honestly, the other one that I have a great example of is, now this one's a full-on spoiler alert for anybody listening. Um, if you like the show The Nevers, if you like the show The Nevers and you don't have the reveal yet for the mid-season finale, I would recommend skipping about a minute ahead in the audio and then figuring it out from there. Because it's really hard to do this on, on in audio. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in The Nevers, there's a character who it turns out is actually a different person the entire time. The actors knew this going in, so they got Laura Donnelly, the main character, to work with Claudia fucking Black from Farscape. Yeah. Hell yeah. And so her Love character, her. once you know that, you go back and you can actually see elements of it. And it's, <laughs> it's really fucking cool. I have been losing my shit about it for about a couple weeks now because I obviously am a huge Claudia Black fan. But that's, yeah. that's honestly my favorite version of not having this person go through each scene and seeing exactly how they would do it, but taking your own take on them. So you have, um, personally, I think, a better blending of both actors. So That's fair. Uh, and we, we've seen um, in the Michello episode... That Michael Shanks is amazing at that because uh, I know we probably spent like, God, I probably spent like 10 minutes, you probably trimmed it down, just talking about how pitch perfect when Daniel was, how pitch perfect his delivery was, where he just did like the little finger crook towards Daniel and Jack's body to like summon him over. <laughs> How pitch perfect that scene was, where I was like, Jesus Christ. But yeah, so I, um, yeah, so like saying all that, I just really enjoy the melding of the two. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And I just, I really like it here, where I see Daniel, I see Michael Shanks playing Sam, playing Daniel. And I really, I appreciate the attention to detail. He's he's an amazing actor. <laughs> we say that quite often, but it doesn't stop being true. Yeah, this, this episode's a great example of, of, excellent acting not just from the main cast but with your guest oh, stars too 
Yeah, again, because Mayvern's great in this. And again, Alex fucking Zahar, I said again as if I wasn't actually, this is, um, I was referencing something I spoke about in the first recording, but, um, we'll, and we'll bring it up again when the actual scene happens, but he has an epic scene at the end, whereas the alien leader, I can't understand a fucking thing he's saying, but I get it. I fucking get it, because he is just intense as he just stands <laughs> there menacingly with his mandibles clicking. <laughs> I love, I love Alex Zahara. He's great. So we get a scene where Sam and Mayburn are trying to figure out what interrupted the signal on the memetica device so that Sam, you know, saw beneath the, the veil. And he starts offering some, like, piss-poor things, like cabin pressure. And she's like, no, this is electronic. This is interference. And she figures out it's the noise from the engines. And she's like, okay, if I know how to fix this... I can replicate this and we can do this at SGC and reveal everyone who's footholded. Because again, this is where it's like, not everyone at SGC is footholded. So you don't want to just go in and shoot everyone, you know? So um, they, they have a plan now. They're going to go back to SGC like the plane was already planning on. But they're going to come in and they're going to get the whole thing set up. They're going to reveal everybody. And also Mayborn's got his squad that's supposed to be coming in. Because he said he already had the backup. But now he's like, okay... It's confirmed there is a foothold. It's not backup anymore. This is an actual plan. So we come back to SGC. We get the Paul and Jack show for a little bit where uh, they're trying to figure out what happened. That's right. I forgot to bring this up earlier. Um, in that room, it looks to be because of how tall it has to be. It looks like it's just a redressed uh, gate room. <laughs> I like how the trivia pointed that out for me. So I was like, oh, yeah, that would make sense. I bet there's not a lot of uh, sets they have that are tall enough for it. And sets are fucking expensive to build. It, yeah, the size of it definitely looks like the gate room. And I definitely think they uh, redressed uh, an airport security scanner thing for luggage because it looks yeah. like one of those later that's just redressed to look like a body scanner fair enough man but yeah so they're all trying to figure out what's going on they don't really have any idea they don't have a lot to work with yeah they don't have much to go on they uh hear a noise outside and pretend to be unconscious and janet comes in with another airman who's like unconscious and there's an alien like an actual alien like not disguised or anything with them and everything. And basically he's getting fed into the whole system like they were. You know, getting strung up, the aliens getting the memetic device and replacing him. So now, thanks aliens, you answered their questions. They were like, what's going on? And the aliens are, hold, hold, we'll tell you. <laughs> what luck, what timing. Yeah. Otherwise, TV shows would be five hours long and and movies would be 20 hours long you know you you, you have to <laughs> mel can i just take a moment to shame the world we live in because anybody who tells me that global warming isn't real can fucking suck it it is 78 degrees it is washington state Oof. and it is 78 degrees on i know it just i know it's june 1st but i don't fucking care i don't care if it's like it the is, first day yeah, of summer it is 78. i don't care if this shit's summer now this is too hot, okay? We live in a, a very cool part of the country, and this has been 70s yeah. now this entire week, and I, I, I call horse shit on <laughs> there's no such thing as climate change. Well, I mean, the people who say there's no such thing as climate change... Have the most to benefit from fighting anything against climate exactly, change. <laughs> are either involved in the corporations that would be hurt by acknowledging climate change, or... Um, are just sheep following the people who say that. 
I will give a, a secret option number three because I, I watched an episode, uh, a new video by VLDL. And I got to say, completely unprompted, uncollaborated, un- un- just a fan, just a genuine fan. Anybody who <laughs> has not already watched VLDL but watches and listens to our show and also agrees with us when it comes to good cinematography, check out VLDL. They just released a new small movie, small compared to like the motion length uh motion features today it's only 30 minutes oh no the horror it's 30 minutes of fucking brilliance it's one of the best deconstructions of the hero cycle and it involves a minute long scene of a fisherman kicking ass and it's unbroken a one minute long unbroken scene take it's beautiful anyway today they released a new video and it's a dark souls logic which you know for me is instantly click but i died when the character when the guy in it today he said i'm sorry i wasn't trying to be rude i'm just ignorant and I was like, okay, you know what? Mood. That's, that's, that is an uh-huh, accurate uh-huh. thing. So maybe sometimes they're not trying to be dumb. They're just ignorant. <laughs> yeah, but the problem there is you can be ignorant. When, you, when people are trying to teach you the things to not be ignorant and you ignore them. Yes, that's willful ignorance at that point. Problem. Yeah, exactly. Ignorant is fine. Willfully ignorant oh, willful is ignorance not fine. Is, is, is you're getting a slap. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, so there could be some people who legitimately just don't understand what climate change is because they're not every day affected by it in a way that they recognize. So they're just like, oh, maybe it's just not real because maybe yeah. there's just there is a, there is at least a two percent chance that some people are just ignorant. Yeah. Well, um, so we get uh, so Paul and Jack now know what's going on. They leave. We cut back. to Wait, they leave. Um. Yeah, Janet. Oh, Janet leaves. Okay. Yeah, Janet leaves, uh, which she would have to because the next scene we get is her in the med bay doing um, experiments on Junior. And we already talked about, like, the whole detached scientist, like... I'm calling it clinical psychopath. Psychopathic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's basically her, like, testing, like, you know, sedatives and, and she's just, like, shocking it with, like, a little handle thing. It's just, like, it's not great. <laughs> Poor Teal. Yeah. But we get the indication of what's coming because Ham's like, well, you know, the tests are important, but uh, Sam's about to come back. So I don't want two loose loose ends both out at the same time. So put him in the holding cell for now. You know, you might get a chance to do more on this later, but I need to have, if she's going to be kind of loose while we're trying to gaslight her until we can get her in, you know, just, just put him away. <laughs> but we get... We go back to uh, Paul and Jack, who decide, well, Jack says, I have an idea. And Janet is also hanging near him. And he pulls the little, like, diadem head thing off of her. And, like, there's instantly, like, a little alert thing. We get, like, noise. And he immediately, like, puts it back on her. And then Janet comes in because she got, like, she knew she felt a disturbance in the force. Yeah, because that's probably what the, not the memetic device, but the thing that helps with their psychic attachment, yeah. that's probably the part of it that correlates, is that part. So she suddenly didn't know how to pretend to be Janet. <laughs> um, and so she comes in and checks, and Paul and Jack are pretending to be asleep still, so she kind of looks around and then... Must be the wind. Yeah, and she's like, okay, and then leaves again. <laughs> and then... Paul, like, gives Jack this look, and he's like, well, it was an idea. <laughs> oh, wait, isn't this where they punch her? No. 
Yeah, she leaves again, and then we see them, and we have the whole part where they're, like, messing around with their harnesses. That's right, because he has to say, um, there's a latch. Yeah. You found it. Like, Jack Jack manages to get disconnected and, like, falls to the ground, and it's, like, rough landing. And then he's trying to, like, coach Paul on how to get himself out and probably, like, help him warn him so it, it doesn't have the same abrupt yeah. fall. But as he's telling him, Paul finds the latch and also falls. And he's like, yep, you found it. Again, <laughs> great directing. That's always a good directing choice, in my opinion. With Not just because of comedic timing, but it's just, it's always better. I don't know why it just is. Oh, I'm sorry. You were right. I had this wrong. So doesn't he get like a like a, a roll-up staircase or something to fiddle with her diadem? No. Yeah, that's that's when he pulls it off. Yeah. You're good. Dude, it, you're good. It was days ago. You, it, you're fine. Yeah. I misremember it yeah. all the time. So yeah, so at, now that they're free of their harnesses, now he goes and gets like a little like rolling, like the, the stairs that you bring up to a, a plane. Yeah, so they, they, they must have raided like An a airport. surplus <laughs> airport uh, supply store or something because they have a little luggage thing, a uh, conveyor belt thing that's been redressed and then now they have one of those rolling staircase things but yeah so he decides like I- i've got an idea and he goes up to janet and he's like i'm gonna wake her up oops bad idea and he pulls the thing off and then the alarm happens and he puts it back on uh, but then the fake janet comes in and here's where they lay her out dude i love every bit of that i love first off jack not subscribing. Now, I love the uh, writing, not subscribing to a stupid, you can't hit women bullshit trope here, yeah, where it's like, absolutely. she's not Janet for one thing. But I also like that he's like, that was weird. Right? <laughs> but I, also, on top of that, I just like this conscious effort that the, I'm guessing, the woman head writer had here, where she's like, here's the thing it doesn't fucking matter what their gender is. If they are an assailant, if they are a threat, if they are somebody, that is in that exact same position that if they were a man, you would be laying them out for. <laughs> you have all the pieces here. And a lot of times they're like, no, I can't do it. I can't hit a woman. And instead she does it this way, which is she acknowledges the awkwardness of it, but, but that's it. Lays her out. But she does it in the appropriate manner by having him punch out the fucking person that he, A, again, knows is not Janet, but B, at the very least, is the bad guy here. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he's gonna kill him, most likely. So yeah, punches her out, and then goes, okay, yeah, that was uncomfortable. But I really like that. And then again, they continue it with honestly the only best version of. Well, here's the thing. I know you want to talk about this, but you also wanted to talk about gun safety. And before this next scene happens, we do get Sam coming back okay. into the base. Cool. Well, thank you for reminding me about that then, because yeah, I knew you wanted me to remind you. So Sam is breaking back into SGC using her original escape route. But she is now disguised as Daniel. Yes. My thing is, I totally understand when she was leaving the mountain, why they had a shot of her leaving through that shaft. It wasn't just because they were trying to correct for bullshit for a matter of time. It was also so that you have a nice little mirroring shot when it's her as Daniel re-entering. Cool. Awesome. Great. My problem here is when she leaves the shaft... She immediately, before she's even done anything, she's like panting and dying. And it's like, dude, I get it. That's, that's a bitch of a climb. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I can, I get winded going up a couple of stairs. So yeah, oh, yeah, you're good. I like how this is all very accurate and well and done, except for that part where they once again confirm that no one on, on the writing staff or, or editing staff or uh, filming staff, no one there actually cares about gun safety because she pulls out her gun and sure, sure. She could be looking for threats. Fine. Except she cocks it, and then with her finger still on the trigger, proceeds to stumble off of it. And while waving it around, she then 
stumbles around the thing and then closes the door laboriously and then starts trudging off into the wilderness the entire time just waving this firearm around. And I'm like, I'm not even talking about a political stance here. I'm just talking about basic safety. And your complete disregard of it for that moment. Again, I really can't stress this enough. If you're going to have somebody who's in the armed forces who understands what gun training is, they're not going to have their finger on the trigger. They hold their finger next to it. Because you know what's not very helpful when you're trying to escape into the night? A gunshot. Nope. Also, what's it pointing at when you accidentally fire that bullet? It's just, yeah, it's you don't just dumb. Professionals can accidentally hit a trigger. So what they do is they don't yep. let themselves hit the trigger as much as possible. But this whole scene, just once again, I'm like, guys, it sure would be nice for quality purposes at the very least to not have your, again, she is a major in the Air Force. She mm-hmm. has flown in the Gulf War. And she weighs around this gun like she's an actor on a set. And yeah. that just kind of kills my suspension of disbelief. So, yeah, it's it's even better while uh, watching Daniel come back in shirt sleeves, still holding the gun wrong as he one hands yeah. the door back up. And I'm like, oh, my Lord. I mean, that'd be in character for Daniel, though. <laughs> yeah, but it's still Sam. But it's Sam. Yeah, so that's the problem. It just it's Sam. Hurts. So, yeah, she maybe she was also method acting. <laughs> if the method was I'm so stressed, I forgot how guns work, then sure. Yeah. <laughs> That is the method. Yeah, so that's a very brief scene. It's just to show that she's coming back, but she's coming back as Daniel. And then we go back to Jack and Paul, uh, and this is where we get the best version of two boys awkwardly having to shove their hands down a woman's shirt. I love how they both very, everybody involved in the making of this scene did the exact right thing to accurately convey to me that neither of these dudes want to be doing this. And I'm not saying like it's like they're scared of women. They just don't want to be violated, and I love it. <laughs> Jack keeps telling himself it's an alien. It's an alien. Yeah, <laughs> it's an alien. It's an alien. <laughs> but yeah, I just so I, I I love their reaction. Honestly, I think it's hella funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So they tie this alien up, and by the way, until later on, we don't get explicit knowledge about what happened to the Daniel alien, but he definitely also got tied up, not killed, because we will find out that he wasn't killed on the plane later on in this episode. But Janet alien gets tied up, and they're about to leave when they run straight into Sam with Daniel's face. Dude, hearing Daniel say Colonel gets me. And Sir... Yeah. It's like, this is something out of a fan Jack fiction. too. He's like, uh. <laughs> He's like, wait, I read about this last night, but I don't remember. <laughs> Jack reads fan fiction. Oh, I just, no. I, remember, I remember making the joke first time recording where he's like, he hears Colonel from Daniel and he's like, oh, oh no. What, what, what do you see, boy? <laughs> and then when it's revealed that it's Sam, he's like, okay, this makes slightly more sense. <laughs> the whole joke about it, he's like, well, you know, I'm not surprised. Surprised that I have the boner reaction to Daniel, but Daniel's acting weird, so why do I still yeah, why, have it? Why is, oh, because it was Sam. Oh, okay, 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 okay. This explains everything. It's like a divining rod. They use that to tell if it's a fake Daniel or not. <laughs> Just swing Jack's pelvis towards him. <laughs> That's how we tell if robot Daniel is real or not. <laughs> You just you just know there's a there's a fic out there where robot Jack and Sam were just going at it. Hey, they can't get pregnant. Jack and Daniel, sorry. Well, yeah, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> this is just a fact. We just know this. More than one. There's more than one. But yeah, so 
Jack is like really weirded out because he's like, this is da Daniel's acting weird, but I don't really want Daniel saying things like this. And then, and then Sam realizes that she's freaking Jack out. She's like, oh, right. It's the confused boner. Fuck. Okay. And she like reveals the mimetic device like, oh, it's me. And he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I do like how it's a cool touch on the uh, props department there where these are like bug-like creatures or like lobsters maybe and I like how they could be like lobsters not just because of their little uh, mandible thingies when they're eat, you know talking but um their mimetic devices look almost like a seashell so it's 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 oh, yeah, kind of yeah. curled like a shell so I was realizing that they could have uh, been a nice little touch to them being from an aquatic planet or something originally and yeah. they base their technology off of things they see the visual the visuals um are great no yeah it's just a cool little attention to detail I was like damn all right props Ha, props to props. So this is where both sides give the information they have to each other. It's a quick little catch up. They don't take too long about it. It's just a quick little exchange. It's well crafted. I like it. We figure out that like they woke up because the aliens they were attached to got killed. And oh, ha, there, there's a goof listed that I'm like, uh, nah. Because, yeah, it's funny watching Jack hold a gun to not Daniel in a holster. And then, yeah, it's like, okay, my man, the holster is still on, sure. But I had to point this out last time, too. That's not a goof. Like, he's he's well aware that if he were to fire, that bullet would shred <laughs> that yeah. holster on the way to its target. It may not kill because of, like, obstruction type shit, but I'm sure it's still going to act vaguely bullet-like. That holster is not going to be what stops <laughs> him from being able to no. use that gun. So it's no, like, no, no. yeah, the holster is still on, but he also whips it out in a quick moment because it's like, fuck, shit, there's somebody coming. It, I totally get why he's not going to waste time and aiming Absolutely. time, especially whipping off the holster when it's not necessary. So it's like, I get what you're going for there, Gooflister, but I disagree. Yeah. But yeah, so Sam, they do the exchange and Sam ends it by saying like, look, I have a way to reveal who's a foothold. I, I, I want to get that going and I only have a certain amount of time to do it because in 29 minutes, Mayborn's coming. And he's like, Mayborn? And she's like, I called him. And he's like, Willingly? <laughs> and she's like, I mean, yeah. Who else am I gonna call? Kinsey? God, no, not him. But yeah, so she needs to get uh and she also told them that Teal got taken captive. So basically, Jack's gonna go look for Teal'c while Sam gets to her lab to put out the the sound thing to reveal everyone. I like how she plugs in a speaker set that I definitely had back in like 2002. Yeah. Uh so she goes there and she starts plugging shit in. Paul and Jack are going to the armory to get geared up. And then we get Jack actually putting an effort into pretending to not be himself. But it's so good because, like, the person he's talking to is like, why are you acting weird? Because <laughs> he basically comes to get Teal and he says, I've come for the bald, bald prisoner. prisoner. <laughs> and the guard is just like... Kind of like the guard doesn't suspect him, but it's just kind of like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> I wonder what it says psychologically about Jack that he literally is incapable of not infusing his personality into everything. Like, for example, oh. you heard me, Cree, Cree, and it's like, well, that one he didn't even try. That's what I'm saying. Like, did not be himself. That's an extreme like, he, version. He, he but said he was going to, but then he did not try at all. Like it's the same thing though. It's like he knows he's in a life or death situation, not just for himself but for others, and yet he cannot resist being Jack. And it's like I I understand it, but damn, Jack, you could probably use some serious therapy. Yeah. 
So, um, <laughs> Jack shoots the, the guard, and Teal, as he's letting Teal out, Teal's like, so, you're the actual Colonel O'Neill, yeah? And Jack's like, hmm, I'll give it away. Hmm. How did you know? So then we get, uh, we go back to Sam, who has finished setting up her system, and just as she's about to s- turn it on, uh, Hammond comes in, fake Hammond, and she turns it on, he fades into an alien, but at that moment, before he can, like, do whatever he thought he was gonna do by confronting her, an alert goes out, because Mayborn is attacking now. So all the aliens are like, well, we're screwed, we, we have to leave. <laughs> That's basically what this alert is, it is telling all of the foothold aliens, it's time to ditch. We tried to scout, they were just a little too on top of things, they got out of it, this place is not viable, we gotta go. But thankfully, because she set the system to broadcast throughout the entire mountain, now that Mayborn's forces are invading, they know who's the aliens. Because the memetic device device is not working anymore. So now everyone, as they're heading towards the gate to leave, look like aliens. They don't look like SGC people anymore. So it's a great collusion of time. Like, everything coming together at the right time. Which works because, like, they knew what the timing was going to be. Like, she knew she had to get this up by the time Mayborn showed up, you know? It's just nice that everything worked out, you know, perfectly for it, including, uh, and up until the point where a lobster dude saw that it was her and went, oh, well, a punch will do. Oh, yeah, he does punch Oh, you know what? No, actually, I take it back. It's actually good writing, because up until now, he's been watching all of his own people get laid out with one hit, so he thought it would work on her, he too. He thought, yeah! <laughs> there we go, that's actually fair. But yeah, so we see in the control room, we see everyone uh, running to, we see all the aliens running to the gate. It's dialing out. Obviously, they're going back to their home planet. And then we get to see, oh, sorry, there's another great line delivery where um, they're about to, Teal'c and Jack are about to, you know, start heading out against all of these aliens that are revealed now. And Jack just pats Teal'c on the shoulder and goes, you sure you're up to this? And Teal'c says, as always. And it's like, you're an animal. <laughs> oh no, we forgot about the, uh, oh, but you can. Oh yeah, yeah, for the, again, him being, him trying, but not being a good actor. Yeah. I just love Jack. I love his- Richard Anderson is a great actor. Right. Jack is not a no. good actor. <laughs> but the dialogue in this episode is, is epic. It's delightful. Heather Ash. Heather Ash doesn't have quite the quippiness the banter that Robert C. Cooper has started. But she has her own element of episodes, comedy. But she's got some great subtle comedy that I appreciate the hell out of. But yeah, so they get control of the control room so that they can watch as the aliens get into the gate room. It is dialed through to where they want to go. Some of them have gotten through the gate, but they managed to shut off the gate so that not everyone gets through. And most notably, the leader of the hive does not get through. And this is where we get the Zahara speech where he's talking in an alien language. We don't know what he's saying. He doesn't have a human face, so we don't get the same, like, facial expressions to, like, contribute to the performance. But he is doing great just with his body acting. Yeah, he's clearly leaving with a bang and not just literally. Literally. Not just literally, (laughs) though. Like, he's really, you can just tell that he's not going down quietly as he addresses them. And I just, I feel his like almost insidiousness there too, where it's like, you may have won this day. You may even win the war, but we will never have been cowed by you. And it's like, fuck, all right, respect. But yeah, 
And then he, like, triggers something on him. Oh, so I was gonna say, and Jack is the one who recognizes that this guy's about to suicide bomb himself. The thing that anybody in the audience who's ever seen a movie ever knows is, like, okay, so it's a bomb. 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 And everybody's like, oh, I wonder what that countdown noise is. Jack instantly knows. Well, he doesn't instantly know, but he knows faster than everybody else. It clicks for him pretty damn quick, and he hits the blast doors just in time yeah he he hits he hits to lower the blast doors and as they're shutting we get a little a flash, flash a blue light, flash like coming from the bottom like because they go down so like it leaks in through the bottom just as it's closing and then you hear an explosion yeah. and i just love the little mini physics lesson that, that i got as a child like literally i'm pretty sure this is one of the lessons i got it taught me that light travels faster than mm-hmm. explosions than concussive force death travels faster than light you mean light travels faster than death god damn it <laughs> death travels slower than light there you go uh but yeah so then they they raise the gate the gate door back up and we get the most egregious green screen i have ever seen on this show it is it's bad it, it's bad <laughs> you see so we go back up and we see that like there's obviously been a big explosion in the gate room there's like smoke everywhere there's scorch marks it's so visibly a green screen that you can see the green glow around the actors and like they clearly didn't like secure the screen well enough because it seems to be moving a little bit it's bad. It is so bad. Like we got on how bad one of the um one of the I love how I can't remember terms we've used a lot. You know where they do the the painting. For oh the yeah, the, the matte painting the... background. Matte painting. Thank you. Matte painting. Heather Ash's other episode has that a little. There was a matte painting background shot that was quite horrible. Where it was again, why do they keep doing bad green screen with her episodes? To be fair, I think it's just because they do bad green screen, period. Like, the last time they did a green screen in the the gate room was, like, with that fake glass in Matter of Time. And remember how bad that was? Those are the two most egregious ones I've seen, though. Maybe they just hate her. Maybe they're intimidated by her good writing. Maybe. And it's so, it stood out because the the CGI they used for the transformation sequence between the, the fakes and the aliens was quite good. Yeah. It was like, wh- how? How is your green screen this bad? I've seen streamers with better green screen. What's green? What? Oh my god. I just hit my mic because I was upset. <laughs> oh, it was bad. But yeah, so uh, we get the wrap up at this point where we're, you know, everyone he- is here now. We're in the control room getting the wrap up. Hammond says we're never going back to that planet again. It is locked out of our dialing program. There was this whole thing they actually talked about how they're like, we can't let anyone get off because they know everything we knew. We can't let them escape. And unfortunately, some of them did escape through the gate. But they make a note at this point that when the guy triggered the explosion, the self-detonation on himself, the alien that they had captured, the one who was Daniel and I'm assuming also the one that was Janet, died on their own. Like, they weren't in the same room, but they also died. And so they, they think... That they've got some sort of hive connection, which hopefully transfers past the gate as well. Hopefully, hopefully. being the operative word. Yeah. Well, there's no way to guarantee. But they also say, you know, all we can do is change all of our codes. You know, we're not going back there. That's just inviting another opportunity for another foothold that we might not get out of this time. All we can do is change our codes. 
And it helps at least that these guys did not appear to know about the gold, so it's unlikely they're just gonna go to the gold with their information. So even if they did survive, yeah, it's one of those episodes that like these guys come out of nowhere and they have such a disconnect from the gold that like there's not gonna be too much feedback from it, you know? Like there's not gonna be too much good or bad that comes from this, other than maybe they have some better foothold procedures now. That'd be nice. But yeah. Um, and then we get, like, it's so good because this scene ends with, like, everyone commending Mayborn and, like, t- saying he was a hero and everything. Yeah. And he's just, like, he's so, so emotionally like, complimenting him. Rich in this scene. It's great. Yeah. Like, I hate Mayborn, but, like, get it was that nice acknowledgement he's him, never gotten like, before. Yeah. He feels like the little bully boy for a moment. And I'm like, oh, I kind of get why you're a pissant now. Yeah. No, it was great. I'm I'm gonna be annoyed the next time he shows up. Obviously, right? You can't not be himself. Because the NID are never here for a good thing. But like I, again, Heather Ash is not afraid to like ask questions, yeah. <laughs> including, you know, he, he's a person. Yeah. Why is why is why is Mayborn such a prick? <laughs> and she doesn't explicitly answer that, but we got more of a look at who he is as a person, and I love it. Or it's at great. the very least, Andy Makita was able to recognize that there should be more to the character and was like, to Tom McBates, was like, hey. And gave him more space. Make this guy look more. <laughs> yeah. Just give me more. Well, either way, like, even outside of that, she still had the scene where they, call, you know, say, you you are a hero and all that kind of stuff. So, like, I think it's a, I think it's a great combination of her writing and Mikita's directing where she's giving the actor enough space to really dig into this scene and then the actor as well. Everyone did a great job with this wrap-up and it's just a nice little... Like, everyone is actually being nice to him and everything, and he's clearly touched by it. And that's how it ends. And it's a good ending. So, uh, that is it for this week. Well, actually, no, it's not it for this week. We gotta do some quick shit right now. So we got death tallies. We already had this long discussion last time we recorded. These are aliens pretending to be SGC, and or SG-1, and it's not quite... So later on, we're going to have, I think we have already actually given a robot death to Teal. And we counted that. Yeah, because you have to regard yourself as this person to count as being a dead version of that person. I felt like this was the closest correlation we've had to the robots before. So I wanted to make that distinction that these do not count in the same category as the robots. For our deaths, we will count the original SG-1. SG-1 in another universe. Or the robots. Or clones. Those all count as deaths. <laughs> yeah, clones too, yeah. So like if uh, if if John died later on, then we would count him. But no, so nobody died in this episode. Uh, are you a Jack or are you a Daniel? I- I'm episode? a Jack, mostly just because of all of his reactions. Also the fact that Daniel isn't really in this episode. Exactly, yeah. But I just like to think that I would be Jack, especially for all the scenes where he's interacting with uh, fake Janet. That's just me in a nutshell. Just awkwardly going, oh, shit, 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 shit. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. This is so wrong. (laughs) Like, he's just so uncomfortable, and that's me every day. Hell yeah. I think I might have said episode 13 instead of episode 14. Oops. At the beginning of the... Yeah, I think you did say 13. Episode 14. Episode 14. Well, you corrected it. Yeah, I just realized as I was looking at our tally stuff, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I said 13. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I'm also a Jack because like I said, while I did really feel um, Daniel in that moment in the gate room where he kind of like confusion turns around and around in front of Hammond, like something's weird, but I don't know what it is and I can't pinpoint it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I felt that in my bones. Jack is just so so good in this episode and i agreed with pretty much everything he was doing even the i'm gonna take this diadem off of her and give it a go maybe it'll do something (laughs) 
There's also the part where when he was like moving around in his harness, he accidentally bumped. Oh God! Yeah, and puts his hand full on. Yes, puts his hand full on the bald head. That that is also me. Yeah, that's oops. Shit! Fuck! <laughs> shit! Shit! Here, let me just grab your head real fast. Yeah. So we're both jacked, if only because Daniel wasn't in this episode. <laughs> uh, but also because Jack is great. Although I also am Sam in the moment where uh, she tells Mayburn about, could you try one day not being an idiot? <laughs> you are an idiot every day of the week. Couldn't you just take one day off? No, no, he couldn't. No, he couldn't. He could take half a day off. No, though. see, that would day. go against the chain of command. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um... And how about the Joaquin Phoenix? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. I love when we get to this, like, nine times out of ten, it's like, it's very obvious what our our rating is going to be here. Obviously, this is a great episode. Heather Ash continues to impress. Fuck yeah. I can't wait to see more episodes from her. The next one she's doing is a great, another great complicated scenario kind of thing. She loves, like, she's not afraid to shy away from important discussions and uh, hard topics. And... I appreciate the hell out of that. And we get 63 more episodes of uh, Angie Makita. Yeah, we're going to put him in the Hall of Fame for directors. Yes, we are. Because he he made himself known within those first five seconds. If he makes himself known in those first five seconds, it's like, you can't not put him in the Hall of Fame for that. It's like that book, Murphy. The sun shone having no alternative on nothing new. (laughs) That is how you start a book. And this scene yes. is how you start a movie or an episode, you know? <laughs> Seriously, you establish tension immediately. If, without if that's having what you to want say to anything. If you can communicate something that clearly without any dialogue whatsoever, you've, you've succeeded. You did it. Tell me you're tense without telling me you're tense. Exactly. But yeah, so uh, thumbs up to Heather Ash, thumbs up to Andy Makita, just great all around. I love this episode. I can't wait for another one from her. I can't wait to see more of his directing. Can't wait for either of them. But, so that is it for this week. Next week, we are going to be watching episode 15, Pretense. Woo! And the official synopsis for this episode. When SG-1 is invited to the Tolan planet to attend a ceremony called a triad, also, is it their new... Wait, I already have questions. The Tolan planet got destroyed, and they went to go live with the Nox. Are they going to the Nox planet? No, no. Remember, remember, they they were going to the Nox until they could find a better planet. So they found one. It was just done off screen. Okay, okay. Maybe that gets covered in pretense, and I just don't remember. (laughs) Honestly, I don't remember. Yeah. So when SG One is invited to the Tolan planet to attend a ceremony called the Triad, they are shocked to discover it is actually a trial to determine the fate of their old friend Skada. Daniel and O'Neill must argue a case against a mysterious gold named Zipakna to save Scotta's personality. So we're doing Teal'c's trial again, but worse. Yeah, I, I don't like rehash episodes, and I especially don't care for the Tolan all that much, because they're just kind of like a preemptive strike at the Ancients. But yeah. I'm happy to see uh I do Skata, like, so. um... I do like, and I should know his name because he's actually a pretty big actor, the the leader of the Tolan. Oh, um, Tobias Bell. To, yeah, I, I honestly loved Tobias Bell in the first episode. Like, he was a prick, but he was great. So naturally, he's not here. Of course, well, I'm sure by now he's too big of an actor. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, it is. We had a great episode with one female writer, and we're going to a different female writer who uh, doesn't deliver as as reliably. So I just realized, based on the the trivia for IMDb for this episode, Foothold was the last episode aired in 1999, which means Pretense was their first contribution for 2000. Ouch. Ouch. (laughs) Well, that's fun. Listen, you can't all you can't have hits one after another. Yep. Especially when you're going with that old format of it must be 22 episodes a season. Like, I get where that comes from, but there's definitely, I think now that a lot of shows are doing smaller seasons, yeah, I think there's more opportunity to go in and tell exactly the story you need to with no fat. Yeah. And a lot of this comes down to the fact that streaming is a thing now. Like, you couldn't do this, like, you had to have all the shows had to be, like, sitcom 22-episode kind of things because you had to fit them into a TV programming schedule, and I get that. But now we're at streaming, and there's more opportunities for, and I think moving towards this thing where it's like, we're going to have miniseries, and we're going to have 13 episodes or 18 episodes or whatever we need to tell the story, and we're only going to have this many seasons because that's how much the story needs... We're getting more of that, and I appreciate it, because we're getting less of, like, the the duds, you know? Which doesn't mean there aren't still bad episodes written out there. Riverdale exists. <laughs> um, but it, you're get, we're getting... But, you know, Stargate's still great. I still enjoy Stargate. We, we deal with the... We, we deal with the chaff and we, we go through it. Yep. We still get Robert C. Cooper and Brad Wright and Heather Ash, so... Uh, sadly, no more Terry Curtis Fox. Yeah. I'd like to get another act, uh, actor, another writer that we, we, we can be excited to see. That'd be nice. Because right now we got three. <laughs> Which isn't bad, because that's still, like, I'd say the majority of the episodes. Especially because one of them's a showrunner. Yeah, but... no, it could be worse. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, that'll be next week. We'll we'll deal with it when we get there. <laughs> Hopefully it won't be too bad. At least Scott is finally being brought back up again. Every time we're like, hey, where the fuck is Scott at? And they're like, shh. <laughs> So until then, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at It's Mel Not Liss or our podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. 